the uh, Olympic ceremony, the opening ceremony the other night. Wasn't that great? Either you think it was really good or you think it was really weird. Uh, I thought it was great. There were a couple of parts in there, the 80s, uh, which I grew up in, but I, I still didn't really care for that part of it. The Industrial Revolution part, that just I really like that part. And I am going to grow out some uh, chops on the side here and have a, a bowler's hat or something. Uh, but it's just incredible to watch what's going on with the Olympics. Although, uh, from what I understand this afternoon, some of the results aren't so great. The uh, men's swimming team lost to the French um, in their um, events today. So not the best day for them. But in, in a lot of other areas, things are going really well. Have you seen the commercial with uh, Mark Phelps in it? He's talking about what he does to get ready for the race. And he says, there are two things that I do in order to uh, really get out there and, and compete. The two things that really fire me up. And he, he said, the first thing is I listen to my music. And he didn't talk about uh, what kind of music that he listens to. He just, uh, and somebody said the joint, you know, <laughs> satellite commercial. Never mind, you uh, that one went right over. Um, but the second thing he says is that he washes his hair with head and shoulders. I mean, it's a, it's a head and shoulders commercial. And so you see him, you know, washing his hair and all that. And uh, I can just imagine what that does for the chemicals in the pool as he's um, out there swimming. But those are the things that get him ready. And I'm sure that those probably aren't the things that he does. He's working something up within him. He is uh, touching something inside of him that is going to enable him to get out there and win the races. And let's hope that he will do that as the uh, next couple of weeks go along. Uh, you probably remember yesterday there was uh, Ryan, I think it's Ryan Lochte, uh, and you can see that he won the gold medal, Lochte, that's it. And he's got his grill in right there too. Uh, I'm not sure where that came from, but he, he decided to do that for the, the photos and there's another picture of him there that you see as well, and you see just the uh, power and the strength um, that he has, and, and obviously he demonstrated that yesterday. Well, as we go throughout the next uh, several Sundays, I want us to consider how our lives really are much like the Olympics. Now, that may be a stretch for you in some ways, if you, especially if you don't exercise or like I don't. Or if you don't really uh, exert much energy, then, then you will uh, maybe have a little difficulty at the beginning. But I want to think about it in a spiritual sense. That our lives are like races, they're like events, they're, they are like competition that is before us and we are called to go and participate. And sometimes we feel like that we're running in that race of life and we have no strength, we have no energy, there's just no way we can do it. Especially in this heat. Uh, as we think about uh, just going outside and just how it zaps our energy, not only physically but spiritually. So how is it that we can get power? And there are several scriptures that we're going to look at over the next several weeks, and this one really begins with power and with, with energy and, and the kinds of things that we need to live spiritually. As you heard in the, the text earlier in Paul's letter to the Ephesians, and I, I want to encourage you to look back at that uh, passage of scripture in your Bible or in, in the bulletin that's there, uh, because we're going to be looking at several parts of this that really help us understand where we can get power. Paul uses that word power several times in this text, and so it really, it, it's making a point, a point that we need to understand and take with us as we go on into life, as we go through this next week. 
Paul mentions there are several ways to find strength and to find power for our lives. And the first one is the obvious one. It is through the Holy Spirit. And the, the verse that's there, Ephesians chapter 3, 16 and 17. And this is, we're kind of stepping in on Paul's prayer here. He is praying for the church at Ephesus. And he, like Paul does all the time, he just kind of breaks into a prayer. And he just starts moving into it. Just like... Uh, you did just a moment ago as you were, we were giving praises and you just moved right into a prayer and it was beautiful. And that's what Paul was doing here too. And he says, I pray that according to the riches of His glory, he's talking about all the riches of, of the glory of Christ, that He may grant that you may be strengthened in your inner being with power through His Spirit and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith as you are being rooted and grounded in love. Paul was saying to them, may you have and may you find the power that God has for you as it is rooted in you, as it is something that comes to you in the form of strength and in, in the form of understanding what God has done for you already. And these are Paul's words to a group of people who are dealing with all kinds of problems and affliction. And, and we can see... Uh, if you open up the newspaper today or just look online, you can see that there are all kinds of problems in Syria. And uh, there are problems that are going on uh, just there as it, starting to encroach in Turkey and other areas. And this is the same kind of area and really the same kind of conflict that these people were dealing with. They were warring with one another and the government was warring against them as well because they were following Jesus. And so Paul says, may you find power through the Holy Spirit, that you may continue on. I don't know if you have ever heard of a bathysphere. Probably Clay Weeks has because he likes to dive. But there is a picture of a bathysphere. A bathysphere is far superior in many ways to a submarine because it can descend to the, the darkest depths. It can go to where if a, a submarine went, uh, it would just be crushed like a, an aluminum can as it went down to the bottom. But the reason that a bathysphere is able to sink deeper is because of the thick lining and the steel that uh, pre prevents the pressure from crushing in on it. And they say these are pretty cramped. You can just imagine uh, being inside one of those and, and just how cramped that would be. But you could know that the pressure of the water would not come in against you. Now when they go down to the bottom, one of the things that they see uh, are fish. And you begin to wonder, well, how would fish survive uh, that deep without having all that pressure crush them like an aluminum can. Because the, the, their bodies are supple and they're gentle, unlike the bathysphere. So how in the world do they do it? Well, a good biologist like Bill Allen would tell you that uh, it's because of the pressure that they have inside. They have as much pressure on the inside as there is on the outside. And they're able to sustain all of that pressure pushing in on them. And, and they're able to do it and just kind of swim around and have a great time. And the difference is the way they deal with the pressure. There's something inside of them that empowers them to live. And I think that's what Paul is getting at here. And it is something that, that we need to understand in our lives as well. That we can have power through the Holy Spirit. This is the ninth Sunday after Pentecost. I know you're counting. The ninth Sunday after we 
talked about Pentecost and we observed the giving of the Holy Spirit and, and what it meant for them as it, it looked like these tongues of fire were coming and resting on the heads of everyone. And as they were feeling the wind blow through the temple and through the, the rooms and, and just shaking their foundation, they experienced the power of God. And we can experience that too, even on this ninth Sunday after Pentecost. We can know that that God wants to empower us with strength. I wonder today, are you, are you feeling strength in your inner being? You may be strong on the outside, and you can see, like Mark Phelps, he is extremely strong. And there's something going on inside of him right now that's really interfering with what's on the outside. Maybe he's not as strong inside today as he is on the outside. And maybe that's true for you as well. Maybe your inner being is not all that you know it could be. Well, the reason and, and the way that that takes place is through the Holy Spirit. And as Paul mentions here, it's something that comes from Christ dwelling in our heart. As He comes to live inside of us, there's something greater inside of us than, than is outside. And we can sustain that kind of pressure. So we can find power and, and strength through the Holy Spirit. But Paul also mentions it comes through comprehension. If you look at the next verse that's uh, mentioned there, he talks about comprehension that comes through the love of Christ. He says, and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. This is in verse 19. As you are being rooted and grounded in love, I pray that you may have the power to comprehend or to understand with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth. And to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. And I love the way he expresses that to them. That this love of Christ is something you can know, but it just doesn't come from a book. It comes from this relationship that we can have with Christ. And it, it comes from uh, being filled with all of the fullness of God. We could spend all night just breaking apart that verse. And understanding the truth and the application that that has for our lives. Don't worry, we're not going to do that. But I do want you to take a, a little slice out of that and understand that there is something behind this comprehension. and Something behind knowledge of God's love. Usually that's the last thing we think of. We, we know that people don't treat us with love at times. We know that they even, may even say that they hate us or um, they are against us or they want to do something to us. And we don't often think about the love of Christ. And yet it is there. It is before us. And Paul says it's the fullness of God that is made available to you right now, today. And we can comprehend that. And there's that aha moment of understanding what that's all about. I'm reading the uh, biography of Steve Jobs, and it, it's fascinating. I, I don't know if you've read it or not. Uh, I, I'm a huge Apple nerd, and uh, so it, it's great to be able to read this and just the development of Apple and how all this was taking place. And one of the things that uh, I had forgotten about was really the breakthrough moment for Apple and for Steve Jobs, and it came through Xerox. You don't hear much about Xerox anymore. I hope you don't work, anybody works for Xerox, but you really don't hear much about it. You hear a lot about Apple, and there's a reason for that. But Xerox had all of the, the technology, and uh, the author of the book is, is talking about how it is that all of that came to be. And he says, um, when Tesla finally showed them what was truly under the hood, and just to give you a background, there, uh, 
beginning to show them a little bit about their product and, and what their computer and what their technology can do. And you, you get the idea, it's like the CIA or something. They have all this stuff that's hidden. And they've been experimenting with it, but the problem is they didn't know how to market it. They had a great product, but didn't know what to do with it. And so Steve Jobs is starting to get some inside information that, that they actually uh, have more than what they're showing. And so they're trying to find out. And so when Tesla finally showed them what was truly under the hood, the Apple folks were astonished. Atkinson stared at the screen, examining each pixel so closely that Tesla could feel the breath on his neck. Jobs bounced around and waved his arms excitedly, which you really can't, as you think about Steve Jobs, it's kind of hard to imagine him bouncing around and doing much of, of anything that's uh, all that exciting. But he's waving his arms excitedly. He was hopping around so much, I don't know how he actually saw most of the demo, but he did, because he kept asking questions, Tesla recalled. He was the exclamation point for every step I showed. Jobs kept saying that he couldn't believe that Xerox had not commercialized the technology. You're sitting on a gold mine, he shouted. I can't believe Xerox is not taking advantage of this. The small talk demonstration showed three amazing features and just went on to show about the technology that they had. When the Xerox PARC meeting ended after more than two hours, Jobs drove Bill Atkinson back to the Apple office in Cupertino. He was speeding and so were his mind and mouth. This is it, he shouted, emphasizing each word. We've got to do it. It was the breakthrough he had been looking for, bringing computers to the people with the cheerful but affordable design of an Eichler home and the ease of use of a sleek kitchen appliance. It's exciting to think about how history was changed as a result of that aha moment. As Steve Jobs began to understand and to comprehend what was before his eyes. So I was thinking about this passage and, and what it means to comprehend. I, I thought about that. And I think about how we need to understand and comprehend what is before us and, and what God has placed before our eyes. It is the love of God as demonstrated through Jesus Christ. It is something that will revolutionize your world. It will, will change your life forever if you will just comprehend it. Well, how can you do that? Because you may not feel like it. And other people may not express it to you, but how can you know it? Well, you can know the dimensions of it. One of the things that, that Paul mentions, and, and I, I love the way that uh, it's expressed in Eugene Peterson's translation, the message translation. I, I don't have it up on the screen, but listen to these words. And I ask him that with both feet planted firmly on love, you'll be able to take in with all followers of Jesus the extravagant dimensions of Christ's love. Reach out and experience the breadth. Test its length. Plumb the depths. Rise to the heights. Live full lives, full in the fullness of God. I think that's a great interpretation, a great translation of that particular passage. Knowing the dimensions. And if you're going to experience the power that God has for you through comprehending the love of Christ, then you need to know the dimensions. You need to know that there is no way you could ever exhaust the love of Christ. You can't measure the, uh, the completeness of its width or of its height. There's no way that you could be able to, to say, I've completely figured it out. But there is a way that you can fully experience it inside of you in the, the fullness of God, as Paul mentions here. And that is something that you can know. And it comes through knowing Jesus. Betty put it 
just about as, as simple and practical as you can make it because that's the gospel. You can receive it into your life. You can receive Jesus into your life and the love that God has for you in Him. And it's just a matter of you doing so. But finally, Paul mentions to them here, you can know it through God's intention. Through God's intention for your life and for the things that that He has for you and the things that He has for the world around you. This is one of my favorite verses. and It's in verse 20. And uh, Paul mentions that it's something that they... That's not a picture of me, by the way. Um, But in in, uh, verse 20, Paul mentions to them, Now to him who by the power at work within us is able to accomplish abundantly far more than we could ever ask or imagine. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. He says, Amen. This is the beginning of his letter. He just pauses to give this great praise to God. But he says, now to him who by the power that is at work within us. So there's that word power again. Paul says to the Ephesians, there is power at work within you, but you must allow it to work inside of you. And this power is able to accomplish abundantly far more than you could ever ask or imagine. Paul is giving them some powerful words and reminding them constantly that this God is there for them. And you can know through God's intention in your life, you can know the the same kind of power in your life. Do you? Do you feel that strength? Do you know that there's so much more that God has for your life than what you've understood so far? I think it's easy for us to get to that point in our lives when we say, that's that's all God wants to do in me and through me. You know, I'm really not of much use anymore or uh, I don't have enough gifts to be able to do that or to be able to affect change in, in this neighborhood or in this community or in my family or in my relationships. I'm never going to be this or I'm never going to be that. And what God wants us to know today is that His plan is so much greater than we could ever begin to imagine. And He will give us the power to do more than we ever thought we could. Do you know that power in your life? Are you allowing it? Are you allowing God's power to work within you? And if you're not, what's keeping that power from working? What is it about you? What is it about maybe some things in your life that that you have been unwilling to deal with or let go or include that keep you from living out this abundant, great plan that God has for you? What is it? We all have our stuff, don't we? We all have things that we deal with and things that we wrestle with that distract us from following in the, in the path that God has for us. And as we think about all of those things, we need to remember it's not about what we can do, it's about what God can do in us. Uh, I want to close with a story that uh, was in the New York Times this morning. And it's about Roger Bannister. Everybody know who Roger Bannister is? Come on now. This is a Church for the Highlands trivia night. Roger Bannister is the uh, guy who was in the uh, Chariots of Fire. I mean, the, the one that was depicted in Chariots of Fire. There's a picture of him right there. Uh, and this article is about him and how he never won a gold medal. Yet he broke the, uh, the barrier for the mile. He ran the mile in 3 minutes, 59 seconds. Can you imagine 
How long does it take you to run a mile? <laughs> when I was running track, we all talked about getting sub five. That if you could do a mile in sub five, then, then you really were a part of the team and you had crossed that threshold. I can't even imagine 359. Does anyone remember who broke Bannister's record? Okay, we're going to have to do a lot of Olympics. We're going to have to do a lot of work on the Olympics. Sebastian Coe, he, he beat out Roger Bannister. He was uh, the one that was speaking at the Olympic ceremony the other night. And uh, so he was able to do that. And this article is about him and, and, and about Bannister not being able to do it. And the question is, standing at the brink of history? That's a pretty bold statement. That's what Coe thinks about Bannister. Um, and he goes on to talk about the, uh, the significance of all that he did and the way that he was able to run. But he also uh, interviewed this uh, particular person, John Burns. He interviewed Bannister. And he asked, asked him about all this. And, you know, looking back on it 58 years ago, do you, do you regret not getting the gold? And he said, no, what I'm most proud about is the work I've done as a neurologist for the last uh, 40 or 50 years. In fact, one of Britain's top neurologists. All that came after his retirement, after running track. And uh, they talk about Coe and, and just how he thinks about, and what he thinks about all this. And the article says, and why not? When Bannister ran the mile in three minutes, 59.4 seconds at Oxford University's uh, Ifley Road track in 1954, he broke a barrier that had eluded the world's top milers for decades. And as we think about the greatness and the things that he did, he... Uh, we think about his body and all that his body went through to be able to do that. And if you've watched the movie, you get some idea of that. He says, I think the art of record-breaking is taking out of your body more than it has, Bannister says. Taking out of your body more than it has. From a standpoint of physiology, Bannister said, anything below 3 minutes, 30 seconds will be very difficult. But even as he said it, his mind seemed to go back to the day in 1954 when he did something that medical experts once called impossible. And then there's this, this, this final quote in this article that just stayed with me. There is no absolute limit, he concluded. There is no absolute limit at what the human body can do. Now think about that spiritually. Think about the power that comes from understanding God's intention for your life and for this world and the role that you play in that. And understanding there is no limit to what you can do. There is no limit to what this church can do. There is no limit to what the kingdom of God can do in this world. And we can say, no, there's no way I can do that. There's no way that our church can do that. We only have so many people and and we, only, and we don't even have a building. How can we do anything without a building? There is no limit to what God can do. Power. It's all about power. God's power to live the kind of Olympic life that He wants us to live. Let us pray. Our God, we thank You for reminding us that there's nothing that we 